This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely. Positively. FedEx. Airbnb. It's wedding season. Yes, it is. What's going on, baby? Alex and I just got invited to a beautiful venue for the wedding of a childhood buddy of mine. Lovely. Can't wait to hear about it. We got babysitters. We're all set to go. And the first thing that you did, Jack? Book a hotel for the wedding. Okay. Second thing that you did? List my place as available that weekend on Airbnb. Millions of people host on Airbnb, but millions more have never even thought about hosting. Here's the thing. We've said it's great to make money while you sleep. Actually, Warren Buffett said that. Well, when you're an Airbnb host, host, you make money while you sleep and while someone else sleeps. That's why anytime I'm traveling, I immediately jump into Airbnb and set my house as available. It's that easy. So Yetis, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode is sponsored by Audible, the home of storytelling. Protect her. That's from the opening chapter of The Last Thing He Told Me. Or is it protect her. It's Protector. Yeah, it's like that. It's, it's like a that. thrilling mystery my wife and I listened to on Audible. It actually got adapted into a TV show, but it was way more riveting as an audiobook, wasn't it, man? It's about a tech executive who disappears when his company gets indicted on accounting fraud. But he disappeared to protect her. And honestly, we shouldn't say anymore. Let's stop that. We listen to the whole audiobook on Audible while driving in the car on road trips. And you should too. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash tboy or text tboy to 500-500. That's audible.com slash tboy or text tboy to 500-500. This is Nick. This is Jack. It's Tuesday, T-Boy. Tuesday, January 23rd. And today's pod, it is the best one yet, Jack. Oh, did we put together a T-Boy today, man? We're serving up the top three pop business news stories you need to know today. Jack, how's your T-Boy Tuesday? What's going on? This morning, I had an accidental cold plunge, okay? How did this happen? You do not want to make that happen accidentally. Orange Theory Group Fitness. I went into the shower afterwards. Hot water's out. Oh, God. Oh, God. Before you know it, I am screaming under that cold water, but I've never felt better. It's a baptism by cube. Ice cube. <laughs> that is brutal, man. An accidental cold plunge. I feel incredible. The best part about surviving a cold plunge is you get to tell everyone you do cold plunges, Jack. <laughs> first story for today's T-Boy of a show. What do we got, man? For the first time in 50 years, Boeing is not the most valuable plane company in the world. Yeah, it is. Europe's Airbus is now number one and it's got the coolest wait list in town. For our second story, it's a new AI startup reportedly worth $20 billion and it's owned by Elon Musk. It's called Grok, the AI chatbot and it could be the secret to saving Twitter. And our third and final story is the Rubrics Cube. It's the least digital game ever and it's selling more than ever. Besties, if you can finish a Rubrics Cube before we finish this podcast... We'll send you a free T-Boy hat. Well, we're going to require proof. And we'll send you two T-Boy hats if you finish it in a cold plunge. But besties, before we hit that wonderful mix of stories. What a fantastic mix of stories today. Love the mix, Jack. Nick and I are going to ask you to count your subscriptions right now. And don't worry, this isn't an ad. All right, Jack, I'm checking right now. It's Netflix, Hulu, I got Amazon Prime. And Applebee's. Applebee's. <laughs> 
Applebee's. That's right, Yetis. Applebee's, the restaurant. Get this. Just launched a subscription. For 200 bucks a year, you can be a member of Club Applebee's. 200 bucks a year and they'll treat you to 30 bucks of free food once a week, every week, all year long. That's the deal. So you subscribe to the sizzling fajita fiesta plate. You subscribe to the double glazed baby back rib. But honestly, this isn't that novel. This isn't the first ever restaurant subscription. No, you were holding this in. What do you want to share with the group, Jack? Why don't you tell us? The all of Garden invented the restaurant subscription. Yeah, he's the never-ending pasta pass introduced in 1995. That is the original restaurant subscription. It was ahead of its time. It was the Netflix of Gnocchi. It was the birch box of Bowling Yeezy. But back to Applebee's. Nick and I crunched the numbers on that Club Applebee's deal. So 30 bucks of free food weekly, 52 weeks a year, that's $1,500 of value right there. $1,500 of value and they're charging 200 bucks the whole year, Jack? Sounds like an amazing deal for you and me. A bad deal for Applebee's, right? It sounds like a really bad deal for Applebee's. But here's the thing. Customers forget that they bought that pass in the first place. Yetis, according to the data, customers forget they have subscriptions, but they keep paying for those subscriptions. 42% of us on a regular basis pay for stuff monthly even after we stopped using the thing. And Jack, I'm still paying for Hulu. I haven't really been watching Hulu. That is why Applebee's just launched a restaurant subscription. Because roast beef can be recurring revenue, baby. So, for T-Boy Tuesday, we want to know from you. Yetis, what restaurant would you pay a monthly subscription for? What restaurant would you subscribe to and not forget because it's that good. Maybe a Shake Shack shack subscription. Would you get 7-Eleven 24-7? A Slurpee subscription, Jack? How about a Michelin-starred monthly subscription, Nick, for you? Très bien, je voudrais un. Let us know what restaurant you would pay monthly for at T-Boy Pod. Hit us up at T-Boy Pod, and Jack, let's hit our three stories. The Olive Garden did it first, remember that. The OG is the OG. 15 years before this song, two boys from the Northeast met in the dorm. They had an idea to cause a cultural storm. It's the best one yet, but the best is the norm. Jack, Nick, that's it. I don't even think they need to practice. 50%, that's a fat tip. T-Boy City on your at list. If you know, you know, cause we ready to go. We can't wait no more, so just start the show. Start the show. For our first story, for the first time in 50 years, Boeing is not the number one most valuable aircraft company in the world. It's Europe's Airbus now. They have done the unthinkable and stolen Boeing's crown. Jack, I don't want to whip out the old GPAs here, but you were an econ major, right? <laughs> right. You were history. I was a history major. But together, we both took a whole bunch of poli-sci classes, didn't we? <laughs> it was the thing you did at liberal arts schools. Everyone takes a poli-sci class. They're a blast. So Nick and I can tell you that the European Union wasn't just formed to create peace across Europe. No, 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 no. Yet is the European Union was also formed as an economic block to compete with the United States. Case in point, Nick, Airbus. The Airplane Manufacturing Company. Back in the 1960s, Germany had an airplane company. And France had an airplane company. Oh, and Spain also had an airplane company. We should point that out. Each of those companies was great companies, but they were all tiny compared to America's Boeing. Jack, this would be the equivalent of like if New York State had an airplane company and California had an airplane company and Wisconsin had an airplane company. That's how the Europeans felt. So in 1970... France and Germany shook hands and decided to combine airplane companies. 
in Spain and England. We're like, hey, we got a couple airplane companies. Can we join you guys? Is that cool? And that's how Airbus was created. It's basically the European Union of airplanes. Literally. So besties, for the past 50 years, there's only been two major aircraft companies in the whole world. We've had Boeing and we've had Airbus and that's it. You're probably flying on one of those two. That's it. It's basically a Ryder Cup situation. You got Team America and Team Europe. That's it. It's like the two golf teams, except it's just the two big airline makers. Boeing's got the 747. Airbus has the A380. Same size planes, two different names. Pretty straightforward. Boeing's planes are all named after the number seven. Oh, they love the number seven. They got the 737, the 747, the 777, the 777, and the old 787. It's a classic. And Airbus loves the letter A. They got the A380, the A350, and the A320. So it's a great rivalry. We got to tell you. But historically, the winner has always been Boeing. European socialism just couldn't keep up with American capitalism when it came to profits. As recently as 2018, Boeing was twice as valuable as Airbus, according to their stock prices. Sit down, stand up, and buckle up again, putting your tray in the upright position. Jack, can you repeat that stat for us again? Just five years ago, Boeing was twice as valuable as Airbus. But not anymore. Because for the last five years, Airbus has delivered more planes than Boeing has. And on Monday, Airbus overtook Boeing to become the most valuable aircraft company in the world for the first time ever. It's a huge and first win for Team Europe in the aircraft wars. Uh, so, Jack, uh, this is your co-pilot speaking. Can you please tell us the takeaway for our buddies over at Airbus? How popular is Airbus right now? They're so popular, they have a 12-year wait list. Yeah, since the Alaska Airlines incident the other week, Boeing 737 MAX 9 airplanes have still been grounded. But airlines like United Airlines and Delta Airlines, they don't have much choice. Like their only alternative to Boeing is Airbus, which has a 12-year wait list to get a new airplane. No joke, besties. They have 8,000 commercial aircraft orders they haven't fulfilled. And they only produce 600 planes a year. You thought the one-month wait to get a reservation at Carbone was difficult? You're not getting a new Airbus plane until 2036. Despite the 12-year wait list, some airlines are switching from Boeing to Airbus. Airbus's wait list is getting longer and Boeing's wait list is getting shorter. Boeing's five years of safety issues and delays is causing customers to switch. And the waitlist numbers prove it. And that is why rival Airbus has become the number one most valuable aircraft company in the world for the first time ever. For our second story, Elon Musk's AI startup is reportedly about to hit a $20 billion valuation. But what this story really teaches us is that when it comes to AI, you are what you eat. Jack, before we jump into this story, I'm checking the calendar here. Nearly two years ago, in April, Elon announced he was buying Twitter. Since then, he's driven down Twitter's cultural relevance with his chaotic management style. And he's driven down Twitter's business prospects by cursing out advertisers. But, of course, Elon fans think this is all part of a master plan. And here's the master plan. Jack, can you whip out the super secret whiteboard to reveal the master Twitter plan, please? The real value of Twitter to Elon is not as a social media app. It's as a training ground for Grok, which is Elon's AI chatbot. That's right, Eddie's. Uh, Elon doesn't just run a car company and a social media company and a space <laughs> company. He also runs an AI company called XAI. And their core product 
is a chatbot named Grok. Twitter premium users can use Grok right now to ask questions about what's happening in the world, and he'll answer. It has a little bit of a personality, doesn't it, Jack? How would you describe this thing? He's going to answer with some edge. Yeah, it's got a little sass to it. Like, if you talk to this Grok chatbot, it's going to be like an angry Andy Cohen from Bravo. You know what I'm talking about? Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like the fifth O'Doyle brother. It's Elon approved. But here's the news. Bloomberg is reporting that Elon has now raised $500 million to grow this AI company, XAI. Although we should point out that Elon says this Bloomberg report is fake news. Fundraise or not, XAI could be the secret to salvage his failed Twitter acquisition. And here's why. Because Yeti's valuations for AI startups, they, you want to put the word AI in your pitch deck if you're raising money right now. Bloomberg says this latest fundraising round for XAI would value the company at 15 to $20 billion. Jack, can we sprinkle on some shocking context to that number, please? That means Elon's brand new AI company would be worth more than Twitter, which is 18 years old. Elon's brand new AI startup is already bigger than Twitter. So if Twitter dies, he might still have XAI to salvage the returns for his investors. And here's the key connection, besties. Elon is actually using X and all your tweets to train this AI company. Because artificial intelligence needs training. It's no good if it doesn't get trained. Grok needs to learn. Learn Grok needs. When we were kids, we read books, we studied, and we read articles to get smart in school. He jumped into some Jane Austen, some Moby Dick, a little Econ 101 textbook. That is how you absorbed information and got smart. Artificial intelligence has to do the same thing to get smart. It has to consume digital content in order to learn. That's how it works. And then it can answer your dumb questions. <laughs> <laughs> So, Jack, what's the takeaway for our buddies over at XAI? When it comes to AI, you are what you eat. Yeti's OpenAI has the leading chatbot out there. It's the fastest growing app ever. It's ChatGPT. To train ChatGPT, its parent, OpenAI, signed deals with news publishers like Business Insider and the Associated Press. OpenAI has not signed a deal with the New York Times, which is now suing OpenAI for using New York Times articles to train their chatbot. Either way, OpenAI is feeding their chatbot verified information from top news institutions. On the other hand, XAI, it's taking, can we say like a very different approach, Jack? Elon isn't feeding his chatbot journalism. He's feeding his chatbot tweets. Right, yet he's, Elon thinks that XAI will be the most up-to-date chatbot in the world because its source of information is so fresh. But his chatbot might act like a Twitter troll because it derives all its information from Twitter. Because Yetis, when it comes to AI, it's exactly like your grandmother told you. You are what you eat. Canva. Six years ago, Nick and I were designing the pitch deck for our media company. Yeah, we didn't want it to look like some amateur college PowerPoint. We wanted to impress investors. So we made our first pitch deck on Canva. Canva is the easy to use online design platform for presentations, social media posts, physical flyers, anything you can design. And Canva turns you into a digital da Vinci, delighting your audience with design. They got these color palettes that you can use. It makes your work look beautiful. We used presentation templates that were available for free and then customized them for our company. And guess what? That summer, we sold that company, Market Snacks, thanks to the deck we built with Canva. Oh, and funny thing, we still use Canva today for all our design projects. So Yetis, start designing today at canva.com. Canva designed for work. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Yetis, how good is the feeling of finally 
finally getting something off your chest. You've been wanting to say it. You've been waiting to say it. But you bottled it up. In Waspy, Vermont, where I grew up, we didn't talk much about our problems. We were encouraged to keep them to yourself. Yet he's bottling up your feelings is just horrible for you because eventually it blows up with an outburst and then while it's stewing, it makes your whole stomach feel terrible. We encourage you to get it off your chest. And the perfect place to do that is therapy. You will not believe how good it feels to say something that has been left unsaid and you can practice with a therapist and then end up telling your loved ones the best way possible later on. You don't have to tell them, but you could. It's 100% up to you. Oh, and by the way, what you tell your therapist remains completely confidential. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash T-Boy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash T-Boy. For our third and final story, sales of one toy are surprisingly surging right now. And that toy is the Rubik's Cube. The Rubik's... I always call it the Rubik's Cube. <laughs> Honestly, until we did this story, I did not know how it was spelled, Jack. We're looking at what is driving the sale of this one hard-to-pronounce toy. All right, Jack, the record amount of time, the fastest anyone has ever completed a Rubik's Cube, what is it? I saw it on YouTube a few months ago. I wouldn't have believed it unless I saw it. Someone put the whole thing together in 3.1 seconds. 3.1 seconds. <laughs> Done. Boom, they just finished Rubik's Cube. <laughs> And they just finished it again. You all have seen the Rubik's Cube, a three by three colored cube that twists while you twist your frontal lobe. If you hold a Rubik's Cube as you walk around the world, people just assume your IQ is like 20% higher than it actually is. People assume you've conquered the Rubik's Cube, even though you probably haven't. You can wear a Rolex or you can wear a Rubik's Cube. Trust us, go with the Rubik's Cube. Rubik's Cube turns 50 years old this year because it was invented in 1974 by a Hungarian architect named Erno Rubik. Jack and I jumped in T-Boy style. We got the numbers and the Rubik's Cube was a viral hit like in year number one. The first year it commercialized, 1979, they sold 300,000 units. A lot of units back then. And as of today, Rubik's Cube has sold over 500 million cubes in that 50-year history. Not too shabby. Funny thing about this toy, you don't have to plug it in. There's no battery. There's no computer chips. All those fun, funky electric games. You had the Game Boys, the Tamagotchis. You don't have them anymore, but you still have your Rubik's Cube. It just sits on the desk waiting to be played with anytime. During the pandemic, it was the antidote to screen time for stuck-at-homers out there. And sales continue to surge. Last year, they jumped 14% to $75 million. Get this, Yetis. Half of the entire brain teaser toy market is owned by Rubik's Cube. But besties, Rubik's Cube isn't some independent toy from Hungary anymore because three years ago, it got acquired for $50 million. It's owned by a company called Spin Master. It's the fourth biggest toy company in the world, actually. It also owns Paw Patrol, Kinetic Sand, which Wilder loves. Classic. Etch-A-Sketch and Melissa and Doug. This is a publicly traded Canadian toy company that has eaten up Rubik's Cube and added it to its engaging toy portfolio. They also recently licensed with the YouTube sensation Miss Rachel to develop a line of toys for tots. But Jack, what do you and I think is going to happen with all of this Rubik's Cube IP that they acquired just three years ago? Take me back to 1974, Hungary. 
I want to see a biopic of the origin of this toy. That's what we want to see. Like, we think they're going to give Rubik's Cube the Barbie movie treatment, don't we, Jack? Show me a young Erno Rubik in his prime. And turn it into a rom-com with Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey solving a couple cubes. That's not where I would have gone. <laughs> Nothing brings people together like a stressful toy. So, Jack, what's the takeaway for our buddies over at the Rubik's Cube? The Rubik's Cube is actually the first ever mobile game. Yetis, mobile gaming. You know, you think about games you play on your smartphone, like during a subway ride. That is mobile gaming. Games like Candy Crush, Fruit Ninja, Angry Birds, those are mobile games. Well, Rubik's Cube, it could have adapted to the digital age. It could have turned itself into an app, just like all of those digital mobile games. Instead, Rubik's Cube leaned into its difference. It's a physical analog object. And where others saw a liability, Rubik's Cube recognized an asset. You know, just like Candy Crush, Rubik's Cube competes for your attention every day. But since Rubik's Cube never went digital, it stands out even more. Now Rubik's Cube dominates a space with less competition and more visibility. Your desk. The top of your desk. And that is why Jack and I think the Rubik's Cube is actually the first ever mobile game. Jack, can you whip up the takeaways for us for T-Boy Tuesday? For the first time ever, Airbus is now more valuable than Boeing. Yeah, these airlines, they want Airbuses so badly, they're willing to wait 12 years for them. 12 years! For our second story, it's Elon Musk's XAI. They're reportedly raising money to develop Grok, their AI chatbot. Grok eats tweets all day, and when it comes to AI, you are what you eat. And our third and final story is the Rubik's Cube. It turns 50 this year, and sales are still booming. The first ever mobile game never went digital, and that was its growth hack. But besties, this pod's not over yet. Here's what else you need to know today. First, the 49ers versus Packers game on Saturday, it set a TV record. Get this. 37 million households tuned into that game. That is the highest rated non-Sunday TV program since the 1994 Olympics featuring Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. Uh, remember it like it was 30 years ago, Jack. <laughs> and second, the Dow topped 38,000 points for the first time ever. This bull market just keeps on ripping, baby. Stocks are now 43% higher than they were at their pre-pandemic highs. And finally, Macy's was offered $5.8 billion to sell itself, and Macy's said, no, we're going to pass. Wow. Macy's, a brick-and-mortar department store, said no to a $6 billion acquisition offer? Jack, I think you and I have a follow-up question for Macy's. Um, Hey, Macy, what do you want exactly? I mean, they got the Thanksgiving Day Parade. That's pretty valuable. Maybe that's all they need, honestly. And they got that real estate at 34th Street in New York City. Literally, miracle at 34th Street. Yeah, Macy's, you should ask for more money. You know, you should ask for seven. <laughs> we really pulled a 180 right there. Yeah, yeah, that's how you negotiate, Macy's. Good for you, Macy's. Good for you. Now time for the best fact yet. This one sent in by Corey Carroll from lovely Colorado Springs, Colorado. Yesterday, Nick and I covered the business of Haribo, the gummy bear company. Haribo gummies, it's the biggest confectionery company on planet Earth. Well, there's actually a fantastic tradition at this company's headquarters in Germany. Okay, this is great. Yeah, he's get this. Every year, Haribo asks local children to bring in chestnuts and acorns to the Haribo gummy bear factory. We repeat, they encourage local children to gather chestnuts and acorns acorns from the woods and then bring them to their gummy bear factory. Well, in exchange for those nuts, Haribo gives those children free candy. What a wonderful exchange. This is lovely. And then they donate the nuts they gathered to wildlife parks 
to feed the animals during the winter. This feels like something from a fairy tale, Jack. I don't even believe it. Do we have any numbers, man? A few years ago, 20,000 children showed up donating 300,000 acorns and chestnuts. Oh my golden gummy bear, Jack. That is a whole lot of nuts for candy. This should be a children's book, a Christmas book. It's like trick-or-treating without the tricking, Jack. We love it. Yetis, you look fantastic today. And Jack, what do we want to know from the besties out there when it comes to T-Boy Tuesday? If you could get a restaurant subscription, what restaurant would you subscribe to? What restaurant would you pay a monthly subscription for? Hit us up, let us know at T-Boy Pod. Oh, and by the way, if you were filling out a Rubik's Cube, there is one minute left in this <laughs> podcast for you to finish. That's it. The shout outs are one minute long. Yeah, yeah, hurry up. If you get this done in one minute, let us know. No pressure, but Nick and I will see you tomorrow. Happy T-Boy Tuesday. Jack and I will see you tomorrow. And before we go, a happy birthday to Yeti Kevin Murray over in Oklahoma City. He just moved back and is listening to the best playlist yet. And Joey iFuel is turning 52 years old. Happy birthday in Queens, New York. Happy belated birthday to Jim Gruy in Logan, Utah. And E.C. Sampson is celebrating a birthday down in Sugarland, Texas. Happy birthday to John Hancock, our signature writing founder father from Braintree, Massachusetts. Just outside Boston. And congratulations to Savannah Westwood who is transitioning her dog walking service over to her employees. And a special shout out to Manny and Connie, who are getting a brand new golden doodle puppy down in Orlando. And to anyone else celebrating something today, make it a T-Boy. Celebrate the wins. This is Jack. I own stock of Netflix and Nick owns stock of Shake Shack. For some reason, we drop the K whenever we have <laughs> geographical blocks. <laughs> right? I don't know why. It's the same thing, right? I don't know why either, man. If you like the best one yet, you can listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. And before you go, Tell us a little bit about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com slash survey. We want to get to know you.